Titus chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and to train younger women to love their husband and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respect to be a model of good work, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Born servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to, give, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. We are in Titus chapter 2. And a little background, as I said before, this is written by Paul to Titus. And Titus is in Crete. Paul and Titus uh, have been to Crete before and they preached the gospel there. There have been people who have come to faith and as a result of that, the church over there is growing. And so now Paul writes to him a few years later to set elders in the church. And last week we saw that this church is functional but it has issues because they do not have a leadership structure. There are no elders in the churches in Crete. Not just one church, but there were many churches in every town there was a church and all these churches did not have elders and so therefore there was no one to guide them and lead them and as a result even false teaching was kind of trickling into the church. Now I'm sure all of you all have watched a lot of war movies or have some understanding or background about an army or a navy. Now in a platoon there are different types of men of different ranks and different functions or different inventories. And so, for example, you have a rifle squad, you have a he heavy weaponry squad, you have a squad who are mission gunners. And so all of these function together, and then you have different ranks, you have generals and you have sepoys, and so you have different ranks as well. But all of them in the platoon together function together, especially during war. What is our main goal during war? To fight. And all of them are called to do their duty in fighting. But this is not only in the army. If you look into all of life, it's a no-brainer 
that even for example when we go to work everyone has a designation everyone has a role and all of us have a function all of us have to do what we are called to do if we do not do it for example if when i was working i was a motion graphic artist or a video editor but if i didn't do my job what's going to happen they would ask me take your bags and go home if you go to our office and you sit without doing anything they're going to send you back home even to the point of our houses right everyone has some kind of function to help in the house to do things let's keep that in mind as we come to the text the main point of today's passage is to follow sound doctrine in order to live godly lives with good works as we wait gloriously for the return of Christ i'm going to repeat that again it's pretty long follow sound doctrine in order to live godly lives with good works as we await Christ's glorious return and the first point that we can see from today's passage from verses 1 to verses 10 is to teach and follow sound doctrine this was something similar that we saw last week as well but last week was more about titus to teach and the qualification of an elders and what he should do but remember i said pay attention because all of this is also going to be for the church and so this week we will see that we are all to teach and to follow sound doctrine now just before i get into the text now the word teach when it's used in the bible there are different levels of teaching one is for example what a pastor does in the church and so that is only set apart for elders the teaching in the local church is set apart for elders and so last week we saw the only competent qualification in all of this list that were given was that of teaching and of rebuking false teaching so knowing the truth sound doctrine and knowing what is false doctrine so that was a main competent quality but apart from that all of the other qualities are what christians in general should have but outside of that all of us are called to teach in one way all of us are called to preach the gospel to all people go and preach the gospel to the whole nation and make disciples that's a calling for the whole church and so in one sense the whole church is supposed to teach outside to the unbelieving world what the truth of the bible is so there are different functions here as well but all of us function together remember the illustration i gave in the start in in the church as well the church functions together last week we saw the relationship between paul and titus it was like a father and a son we saw that in chapter 1 was 4 what paul is trying to help titus to do is to see that this is not only important for the leadership not only between an apostle and an elder but this relationship is important even within the local church and so he wants titus to showcase that love which he received from paul as a father to the church to love them as paul has loved him as christ jesus himself has loved him and so this calling is for titus to imitate this so that the church does it with one another and we can see that played out as we go further here 
In chapter 1, Paul ends the chapter by claiming that this is to shut the mouths of those who deny true faith. Basically, they say that they profess in their mouths that they follow Christ, but their hearts are far away. We remember that there was this kind of people that Paul was talking about. And then, basically, they're empty professors. And if you look at chapter 2, when it starts, it starts with, but as for you, the but draws a contrast between Titus and these empty professors, these false teachers who make false claims, these people who are drawing away people. And Paul's main thing is for you, you must instruct with sound doctrine. Now the word sound is nothing other than actually, literally the other word for it would be healthy. Healthy doctrine or sound doctrine. You know, oftentimes if, you've been, if you speak to me and we talk about churches, I would say healthy church, which means a sound church. In other words, it means a church that tries to follow what the scripture says. And so Paul wants Timothy to instruct the people in sound doctrine so that they would instruct one another in sound doctrine, in truth. This sound truth leads to a healthy spiritual life. So for us Christians, if we are to have healthy spiritual lives, we need to follow sound doctrine or we need to follow the truths of scripture. And then Paul lists out different people that Titus should speak to in the church and he draws categories. The first one that you see is older men. Titus needs to teach them to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled, and sound in faith and endurance. Again, you see the word sound or healthy in the faith. Not weak in the faith, but healthy in the faith. And there's another word that's here which goes hand in hand with a lot of these things that are spoken of here or the qualities that Paul asked Titus to speak of to the older men. Endurance. Now some of you might be wondering, older men, they've already reached the end of everything. What more endurance are you talking about? Oftentimes older men can be discouraged or they, maybe they can think that I've done all this all my life, I don't need to do anything further. A lot of us have this idea of retirement. After 60, I retire. That's, that's how the world is. But we bring that even within the church. After a certain age, I will retire. Some of us, even before we retire, we've not even started. We already settled down without doing anything, which is a whole different story. But uh, older men, oftentimes, they would think that I've done this all my life or I've tried all this all my life. And so therefore, I can now step down or relax. Or I can stop functioning. And Paul tells to encourage them, exhort them to be sound in the faith with endurance. That means continue with this sound faith till your last breath, till the day you meet God. And then there are the next category that you can see is that of older women. And then he says they are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. Here you see the word teach used here, right? So it's not only for elders, it's for elders in a different sense, but within the church in a different sense. 
Now, sometimes older women, because of their radical approach to live godly lives, and normally women are more prone, at, even in the church you can see that, to live godly lives, where they would often stumble or can stumble, a cause that can cause them to stumble, is to consider the weakness of others completely low. They can start looking down on people and start maybe calling out people rather than helping them. And what Paul is saying is rather than talking about the problems in people's lives, older women, what you have to do is to bring solution towards a problem. And the solution towards a problem is to instruct them or teach them sound doctrine. And here you see already the older men and the older women in the church are already functioning. They are to do certain things. If you are in the church and you're thinking, what am I supposed to do? and you fit these two categories, there are two things that you can do, which the Bible itself tells us that you have to do. And then Paul goes to younger women. Younger women are to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. Now, there are a few things especially that I want to address with younger women here because of the background of our culture and because of modern day society. So for example, submissive to your own husbands. The Bible asks women to submit to their own husbands, not to every man out there. From our culture, normally women are to be silent. For example, if you go to a house which has uh, very deep cultural roots, even if they're Christian, normally the women cannot speak. Sometimes the women won't even join for a meal with the men. And such kind of roots are not within the Bible. They come from culturally thing. It actually asks women to submit to all men. And so this is not a biblical understanding. Whereas the women submit to only their husbands. But on the flip side, today there is a rise of feminism, right? What does feminism say? That all women can do the same thing that men can do. If you cannot, for example, a woman who is given all her life to sit at home and just teach her children and to love her husband would be looked at as someone lower than a woman who's an entrepreneur in the world. Now I'm not saying women cannot work. So in the text you see that one of the things that says is to work at home. What it means is that the women's primary role as a wife is in the house. If that calling is, if, if that calling is forgotten or denied or let down and something comes more than that, so the calling in the world becomes bigger than that, then she is not fulfilling a calling as a younger woman. That is to be in the house to take care of the children now, when I'm saying all of this, I'm not saying men are not to, the husbands are to lead in all of these things also. Even they are to teach how this happens. So they are supposed to be doing all of this. The husbands teach even the children. So it's not that women teach the children, the husband do not do anything at home. So I'm not talking about the cultural baggage that we, are, we have, but I'm saying that they all function together. But the women's main calling is within the house. Now, one thing about the world, especially feminism, is that it says that your function 
declares your worth or your value. So for example, if you function at home, you are less valued than a woman who's an entrepreneur at work. But the Bible says your function does not really matter because God has put in different functions for different people. What matters is who you are in Christ Jesus, that you are saved, that you are bought by his blood, and that you are children of God. That is where your worth comes from, not from your function. So actually, if you see, feminism is not really, it, it came as a response to male chauvinism, which was what I was talking about, the other thing. And it went to the other extreme of what male chauvinism. In our country, for example, we have deep roots with male chauvinism. And in some ways, we need to find it in our families and try to eradicate it. If it is there, if you saw your parents have that, you should not follow that at home in our houses. We should try to eradicate that. Especially as men, you yourself should take the stand to eradicate that. The other extreme is equally not good. For example, what feminism does is it says instead of the woman to submit to her own husband at home, it takes her and puts her, as for example, as an entrepreneur in a company, and if that becomes a passion and she forgets a calling at home, she's submitting to someone else at a workplace rather than her own husband. So it changes the authority that God has put in scripture. And again, I'm going back and saying, all of this does not change the value of the person. The value of the person is found in what Christ has done. It even goes for men. For example, if I'm a painter, in today's time, then normally they would be considered lower, right? If in your house, for example, if the person who collects your garbage wants to come and sit and have tea, many of us may not even call him inside to have a cup of tea. But if an American comes home, we will open our doors wide and we'll call him, we'll say, sir, sit, all of us will stand up and welcome him home. So this cultural baggage is there within us. You know, we have hierarchies which we set for all of the, all of different kinds of people. And we should not do that. What matters is who a person is in Christ Jesus. And that is really important. And now I, I just went to the role of younger women because that is where it's often confused. And sadly, women are confused by the world. The world throws one thing and then the church sometimes does not guide them or does not know what to say and they're silent about these things. And so therefore, they're the ones who are caught in the war. When it comes to young men, young men are to be self-controlled. Young men can be easily tempted. That's just the one thing that Paul gives them, to be self-controlled. They're easily tempted with lust, with ambition, with impatience, all of this requires self-control with passions to become the best in the world out there. All of this requires self-control. And so Paul asked Timothy after this to set himself as an example. By doing all of these things, they should follow in his footsteps. In other words, show integrity, dignity and sound speech. And to teach young men, to teach older men, to teach the women, to teach older women, Timothy as an elder should instruct all of them with sound doctrine so that they would do it to each other within the local church. A godly man is one who works and grows well in the world 
and in the word and its functions on the world in the word and in the house biblical men are to function in the world because he needs to be the main uh, provider in the house sadly in today's time many men sit at home and don't work they are should be the ones who are working and providing the bible says if a man cannot provide for his own house he has been denied the faith not me the bible paul himself says this in the bible and so men are to work to provide but that's not where it ends you know so again male chauvinism right i've done all this i've provided all that now so you do everything at home i won't do anything at home but then he comes back home and he also works at home the man works in the work he works at home so even if he does not know how to cook he tries to help in the house with the chores in the house he also trains the children and so he helps his wife also train the children one way you can do it is by having prayer at home and so when the man leads the prayer at home he leads it and teaches the wife and he's also teaching the children as well and so all of these are ways a church should function and the last thing that paul speaks about is to born servants today we do not have slaves but we are all of us are workers in one sense most of us at least work somewhere paul says to them to submit to your own master they are to be well pleasing not argumentative not pilfering in other words not stealing which i can come to later but showing all good faith these workers or all of us as workers should not waste our time should not be just work for eye service should not just uh work for a job promotion or something that can get us something out of the company but should give our best to the job that has been dedicated to us how can you steal when you are when you are given assigned work timing and when you're not working in your work timing that's one way you can steal as well you may not be stealing an item from the office but that is one way of stealing you know the most simplest way of stealing is that but even if you bring a pen that is not yours and is a company's to home without the company giving it to you in one sense that is also stealing if you take something that's not yours it is stealing in our indian culture of course we are very i it was there so i took it that's how we work right but in the western culture that's not how it works so a little of how our cultural background also plays into what we understand what it's saying is that we need to be diligent workers at our workplaces now i want to say a few things about that i think with today's culture where the work demands a lot from you and then of course mumbai is expensive right if even if you w- work and you earn almost a lakh a month it would be still hard for you to buy a house in proper bombay you would have to come to the suburbs and buy a house the requirements of the world is hard and then so you have that uh, weighing upon you then you have the competitive spirit in the world weighing upon you and so all of this weighs upon you and so most men are very good in today performing well at work so this performance should be subjective to your performance in Christ Jesus and for the local church your first calling is to the house your next calling is to the church your last calling is 
there. The reason you're there in the world is so that you can be providers in the house. That is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ Jesus, which has found its function in the local church. So today, oftentimes, uh, in one time, I think for a few years in our church, we had mostly women. We just three men. We were about 40 of us in the church. There were just three or four men. And the reason was because most of them are busy with their work. And so their God, even though if you speak to them, they will love Jesus. They have much to say about Jesus. But functionally, their God had become their works. And so oftentimes we can err to the other extreme of making our workplaces as our God. The other extreme of men is that they cannot work and just sit at home and do nothing. And their wives are working hard and providing. So these two extremes are dangerous. God wants us to be somewhere in the center. Now if you listen closely to everything that we went through, a good question that you can ask yourself is in what category do I fit in? Am I an older man? Is that my work? Am I modeling and serving Christ in the church? Am I training younger men? Or am I an older woman? Am I investing my life into younger women? If you are a younger man, then are you providing for your house? Are you growing in self-control and in your love for God? If you are a younger woman, are you submitting to your husband at home? Is your home the primary calling? Or is your workplace replaced your home? Or if you are a worker out there and you're working, are you giving your best at work, but at the same time leaving your work as a second priority after the local church and your own home? Or is that, have you changed priorities? These are good questions to ask ourselves. And then finally, all that brings us to the second point from verses 11 to 15. The reason we had to do all of this is to be prepared and ready for the return of Jesus Christ, our God. Be prepared and ready for the return of Jesus Christ, our God. We see that from verses 11 to verses 15. If you all notice closely, there was one virtue that was repeated for almost all the points. You know which one that was? self-control. It was repeated for three of them. And Paul in verses 11 and 12 gives us the answer to how to have self-control or how to receive this virtue. Look what he says. You can read or follow in the screen. It is the grace of God that has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control and upright and godly lives in this present age. It is the grace of God that has come, that has appeared, that we have received, which has brought us salvation. Now this grace of God that has brought us salvation trains us to renounce all ungodliness and worldly passion. And as you do that, to live self-controlled lives. The opposite of self-controlled lives is to love ungodliness and worldly passion. It's to have no self-control. It's to be free, open reins, run just like the world runs. The second virtue that is repeated is that of submission. 
ask the women to submit and the workers, in other ways, all of us who work to submit. Both these values or virtues, that is submission and self-control lives, are counter-cultural. What does culture tell us or what does culture demand? Live your life king size. This is the life you have, one life you have. It's not going to last again. Enjoy as much as you can. Do what you can do. Now I'm not saying do not enjoy in life, but I'm just saying put them all in the right priority. But most people, if you see, their main goal is to enjoy and do everything here on earth and just to live the life here. They have no thought about God and godliness and where their life is heading. And the other thing was submission. It's a growing thing now in the West, right? Anything which is in authority is bad. So have no authority. So no authority in the government, no authority in the house, no authority even slowly in the church. And then finally, no authority up there. So there is no God. So no authority anywhere. So the world has opposite wants, opposite needs, and it kind of pushes this on you. And Paul says, renounce the ungodly and worldly passions. These are the ungodly worldly passions. And to live self-controlled and upright lives in this present age. A good question that we can ask ourselves is, church, what are some of the worldly passions that you fail to put to death? Is it the love for the things of the world? Is it laziness? Is it to find comfort here on earth? Is it the riches of this world? Is it your family or your job? What are those things? Is it uh, a profession that you want to follow? All of these things that I just mentioned, all of them are temporary. As soon as this world ends, all of them will fade away. None of them are going to last. When you go to heaven and you stand before God, he's not going to ask you, okay, uh, were you a painter on earth? Were you a sweeper on the streets? Or were you a CEO of a company? Oh, you're a CEO, come here, I have this place for you. That's not what is going to matter in heaven. What's going to matter in heaven is how diligently you did what you were called to do. Whatever your function was. And so that should be important to us. And if our primary function is replaced, that is for Christ and his commands is replaced by anything else, by the functions of the world, then the joy that we have in Christ Jesus will be lost. Oftentimes, most of us are anxious because we love the things of the world. And when we do not get the things of the world, we are anxious. We have a desire, we have a plan, and that plan fails. That drives us into anxiety. But when you know that God is in control, when you your plans are just to follow the truths of his word, and if you are following the gospel, that means I have been forgiven and my life is hidden in Christ Jesus, then all of these things, even if you lose your job, even if the worst thing that happens to you, you will still be able to bounce back. And so if we fail to follow the truths that God has called us to do and to live in sound doctrine, then we will fail. But if we walk in sound doctrine and instruct one another, just as the word asks us to do, we will walk together. 
And for a church, remember the illustration, the church must walk together. We are not lone rangers in the kingdom of God. So let us not choose to procrastinate. Let us know what our callings are. I'm sure you fit, fit into those categories. Either you're an older man, you're a younger man, you're an older woman or a younger woman. My exhortation from God's word is to you to see how you can function in the category that God placed you in. And then Paul goes on finally towards the end to say that we need to fight all of that because we are redeemed, because Christ has redeemed us from all lawlessness to purify a people for himself of his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now this is good. If you want to know you're a Christian, if you want to know that you are in Christ Jesus, a good question to ask yourself is, is the fruit of being zealous for good works in my life? Can I see that fruit? If you're saying yes, then say, how have I, have I been impacted the lives of others through these zealous works that I'm doing? These zealous good works. If you're not able to see that, then maybe you're just sipping off the milk of God's word and you're not feeding it into the lives of others. And so we need to do it. Where can you start? It starts right at home. Remember, husbands and wives and all of that. It starts within the house. It flows within the local church. And so when it's done in the house, it will flow into the local church. And in closing, I want us to remember the Paul contrasts Titus with the people of last week. The people of last week, in the ending, they were empty professors. Let us not be like them. This world is dying away and this world will go away. Let us stand for what Christ has redeemed us for. When he came and he died on the cross, it was not bought cheaply, though it comes freely. Though grace comes free as a gift to all of us, it is not cheap. It cost the very life of Jesus Christ, our King and our God. And he's going to come again. When he comes finally, he will not come as a savior. He's going to come as a righteous judge. All of us will stand before him. If you do not bow before him now on earth, you will be forced to bow before him in heaven. And then when he comes, he will either call you to be his people whom he set apart for good works or either if you hated him and his works and his commands you'll be cast to eternity with destruction but again the beautiful hope that we have is till he comes we have the gospel and Christ Jesus who calls us to repentance and forgiveness and so today if you repent and if you come to him and if you look at what you are to do and to function within the church, within your families, and within the family of Christ Jesus, then he would continue to be his children. You would, you would grow in him. And if you repent of what you are not doing, if you repent of your sins, he is ready to forgive. Let's keep this in mind as we go back this week. And let's think of what category do I fit in in these four things and how can I function? If you're lost and you say, okay, I am maybe an older man or I am a younger woman, I am younger man or older woman. I don't know what to do. Call me up or text me 
and ask me what can I do I don't know what to do and I'll give you ideas what you can do and how you can help from God's word to disciple one another to encourage and to grow in one another either in the local church let's close in prayer Lord we thank you for your word and we thank you Lord that you have set order in your church like we saw last week or that we can see even today we thank you Lord that the love that you have shown to the apostles that love flows in through your word into our lives we thank you that the grace that you've bestowed upon us flows in through your word and that we can even read it and see of it within the text of scripture even as we feel it in our own lives where you have forgiven us even though we did not deserve life you have given us life even though we deserve death you have brought us from death to life thank you for giving us the great hope of the gospel thank you for redeeming us and calling us your people of your own thank you for calling us as those who are your prized prized possession help us lord even as we are your prized possession help us to be zealous for good works lord if we seek not to do good works if we have never thought of doing good works if we do not know how to function give us boldness to go ahead and do it and to ask how to even do it let us not procrastinate for the end will soon come and we would all have to stand before you and give an account of our lives in the presence of your name son jesus christ would be king and lord at that time we submit all of this into your hands in jesus name amen